Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now... He gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan. No more about the Admirals playoff uh, opponent and tickets going on sale and so forth coming up uh, towards the later part of the week. I got that press release from the Admirals, I think it was yesterday. So keep our eyes open for that. Again, MilwaukeeAdmirals.com for more information on that. We're broadcasting live from the Lakeland University studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Lakeland.edu slash get started. So, uh, as some of you may know that we're listening to the big show, we were supposed to have Bill Williamson there on at 135, and we weren't able to get a hold of him. Uh, and based on what I'm seeing now, I think they were he was involved in some type of big mock draft or something that went long. Um, so, instead, he will join us coming up here at uh, about 2.30. Uh, in about uh, 15 minutes, we'll have Kevin Holden, Crunchy, CBS 58 Sports Director, Big baseball dork. Uh, I want to talk to him more about this whole baseball-related uh, thing we talked about there at the end of uh, the Wendy's Big Show. Also get his thoughts on uh, this Brewers offense and where the Brewers uh, sit currently. Uh, checking my email during the break uh, and some kind of cool news for the Brewers. I don't know how much people get into um, awards necessarily. Uh, obviously, everybody gets into the MVP, defensive player, but then there's some other awards as well. There's the Teammate of the Year Award uh, in the NBA, and Drew Holiday won it. I just came across uh, from the NBA. Uh, presented annually since the 2012-2013 season, the award recognizes the player deemed the best teammate uh, based on selfless play on and off-court leadership as a mentor and role model to other NBA players and commitment and dedication to the team. This is the second Teammate of the Year award for Holiday, who also earned the honor in the 1920 season as a member of the New Orleans Pelicans. He's the first player to win the award more than once. What did you say? You said 1920 season. Yeah. That would be interesting. 2000, what, what, what did I say wrong? 
1920, the yeah. year 1920. Oh man, you know what I meant. 2019 to 2020 season. Ah. Literal guy over there. I live with a literal person every day. It drives me nuts. You literally do. I literally do. Yes. And then I've got a six-year-old who's just as literal as his mother. Uh, a pair of league executives selected 12 finalists, six from each conference, uh, for the Teammate of the Year award. Current NBA players selected the winner from the list of finalists with more than 300 players uh, submitting votes. Holiday received 964 votes, or points, I should say, 39 first place votes in balloting of NBA players. You know what I don't understand about this? How are guys on other teams voting for this if they don't play with the guy? I guess I'm a little bit confused by this, right? So it'd be like having some type of radio deal about how somebody is to work with. Right, and we put all the radio stations in Milwaukee together. Best person to work with is this person. But a, a lot of us have never worked together. But they're voting on who they think is the best person to work for. Now there are those people that have worked at several different radio stations in Milwaukee. There are some people in this market that are on their third, fourth, fifth radio station that they've worked on uh, in the Milwaukee market. This is my second. Um, so, you know, you work, uh, with people as you switch around. So I guess from that perspective, those people have some pretty good insight as to a lot of people in the different buildings around Milwaukee, but still, I just, I wonder how that works. Like where, where do you get your information from? Or is it just guys that played with holiday in New Orleans, uh, that are voting for him, even though he's in Milwaukee now, or guys that are friends with Holiday, you know, in the off season and off the court, that are voting for their friend. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head right there. Remember, we do exist now in a world where NBA players, a lot of them, anyways, are kind of buddy buddy with each other yes. when they're not on the floor. So maybe they're more privy to what they are like with their team than we realize. Yeah, no, no question. And uh, but still, a pretty cool deal, I would say, uh, for Drew Holiday at the end of the day. Uh, to get said award uh, given to him. And again, we are going to talk more uh, about this baseball thing and Brewers baseball specifically uh, coming up with Kevin Holden uh, in the next segment. Uh, but 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 again, I mean, guys like this here, guys like Corbin Burns, who, you know, maybe didn't get off to the start everybody hoped for necessarily in the first start, and now he's just dealing. Got him. Threw him a nasty curveball strikeout number 10. Uh, what a good gutsy pitch. Tough to land that for strikes for most guys, especially this deep into a game. Pitch number 98. Check swing. He went. Caratini will complete the strikeout. That's 11 now for Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns dealing, right? Zach Lauer, what, 13 the other night. You've got these guys that are pitching their hearts out uh, and putting up some crazy good numbers. And the offense isn't doing anything. Of significance. Really not. And it's not just the Brewers offense. It's offenses across Major League Baseball. I heard Tim Allen last night. On the G-Winder Plumbing Baseball Post Game Show. And I thought he was right on the money. He was right on the money. So if, if you know me and you know Tim Allen. You know that we are both lineup dorks. Right? We both have beliefs. Uh, as far as lineup construction and so forth of kind of where certain guys should go, so forth, whatever. So when you have a righty version of the lineup, a lefty version of the lineup, 
it trends to drive Tim and I both kind of crazy when somebody is hot and you sit them because of which way a pitcher throws with his left or his right arm. Last night, with bullpen management, Craig Hounsell didn't go with the same philosophy that he goes with with his hitting lineups when they're facing a righty or lefty pitcher. And Tim, rightfully so last night on the fan, was kind of going off about the whole thing. Like, he didn't want to call it uh, hypocritical. He said that word was too strong. Uh, But he called it inconsistent uh, with the belief of putting your players in the best position to succeed. And he's 100% right. You have to have, if you're going to say it's this way for the hitter, then it's got to be that way for the pitcher. Unless we're saying, well, my gut says I'm going to do this and see if I'm right. Or if it's a case of I have no other arms left in the bullpen. Like, sorry, it's not going to work matchup wise. I got nobody else left to pitch. You're pitching to the game's over and it is what it is. But I don't think that's what, what the case was last night. And Cousins, again, I don't think he's that horrible. I know some fans don't like him. I, he showed me enough. I was it last year or whatever. Um, I don't think he's horrible. Um, but either way, you know, we didn't pitch well last night. Fine. But the every little move that you make now in a game is magnified even more. Why? Because you can't score any damn runs. That's why. So while Council's always been under the magnifying glass from guys like Tim Allen uh, doing the postgame show, it's going to be even more magnified now because you can't score. So that blunder, mistake, or whatever uh, that you make with a bullpen move, it's magnified because you can only put two runs up on the board. That's a problem. And we had on Tim Dillard earlier, I believe he said they have one loss this year when scoring four more runs. One. Is it crazy to think that an expectation for a Major League Baseball team would be three to four runs a game? Three and a half, four runs a game, somewhere in that area. Is that a crazy expectation? It might be in today's Major League Baseball, the Denton Baseball and everything else. Maybe there's not. AR, quickly, look up. Tell me what the league leader is in Major League Baseball from a team perspective as far as how many runs per game they're scoring. And then tell me where the Brewers are uh, in comparison to uh, the leader. And you can either do National League only or all of Major League Baseball. It doesn't really matter to me. But but again, one loss all year. I think you said they're like 9-1 and one when scoring four runs uh, or more this year are the Brewers. What do you got, AR? All right, so I'll give you uh, number one, the Dodgers. Of course. Currently uh, 5.3 runs per game. That's a full run less. To get four would be a big deal. All right, go ahead. So where are the Brewers? Brewers way down on the list. They are 26th in the majors, 3.29 runs per game. So, again, we're talking about averaging one more run per game than what they're doing right now. Uh, maybe that's too much to ask. Who's worse than them? Uh, now I'm really curious because there's only, what, three teams worse than them? Four, Four teams? and they're all predictably awful. Kansas City, Arizona, Baltimore, Cincinnati, in that order. Huh. <clears throat> See, in that, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for numerous reasons. You went out and hired not one hitting coach, 
you hired multiple hitting coaches. You hired old school Ozzy Timmons hitting coach, and then you hired some young analytics dude to be the other hitting coach. And then you brought in an assistant hitting coach. You got like three or four dudes that are supposed to help improve your offense, figure it out, and get you going back in the right path again. And to this point, I'd say it's been an utter failure. Good news, it's a very tiny, small, minuscule sample size. When we get to June 1st, we're going to reanalyze again and see how big of a failure it truly is. I tend to believe, and I have no facts to back this up, I tend to believe that cold weather teams struggle to hit the ball usually earlier in the year and tend to hit the ball more and are better at the plate when it warms up and they get to play in warmer weather day in and day out. I really think when you're playing in 40-some degree weather, it does something to you mentally, not to mention physically, and having to deal with all the elements you have to deal with. Playing in snow, playing in wind, it's 42 with real feel of 35. I mean, that type of crap is ridiculous to be playing baseball in, and it does affect numbers. The Brewers, on the other hand, play in a damn dome half the time. So you can't even use that as an excuse. Unless their home and away splits are that dramatically different. Like if their home offensive numbers are dramatically better than their away numbers, then there is something to the weather. Then there is something to, you know, the fact of, you know, when they're in a controlled climate, Brewers roll. When they're not, that's when the Brewers bats struggle and the runs go down. So that would be another area of uh, statistical analysis uh, that I'd like to look at to deem this one way or the other. Uh, we're going to talk with Kevin Holden Crunchy from CBS 58, the sports director over there coming up next, about the Brewers' struggles, about Major League Baseball and this baseball they're using. And then Bill Williamson, who was supposed to join us uh, in the last hour of the big show, will join us coming up at 2.30. Uh, and he's got an interesting thing he just put up uh, within the last hour. He mocked out, along with SB Nation, kind of who would be there at 22 had the Raiders still had that pick and not made move, not made a move for Devontae Adams, and then who you know they could have taken at that pick. And uh, we'll talk to him about that mock draft. I think Packer fans will be pleasantly surprised at who they have still sitting there at 22. We'll do that coming up here on Sparky's Midday Madness, live from the Lakeland University studios. Sparky's Midday Madness, served up hot. And fresh by the Milwaukee Admirals. How about that? Hot and fresh by the Milwaukee Admirals. I took a Wendy's sponsor. I took a Wendy's sponsor. I mixed it with the Admirals. But if it was hot and fresh, the ice would melt and we'd have polo, uh, water polo. So probably don't want to do that either. Uh, Joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, he is Crunchy. CBS 58 Sports Director Kevin Holden on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. How are you doing, Mr. Holden? Sparky, it's all good, man. I just, I'm just trying to figure out if it's winter, spring, or summer. Can you, can you tell me? It feels like it's different every day. It's Wisconsin. <laughs> it's, it's Wisconsin. Uh, okay, so before you came on, we were talking uh, about um, the lack of offense by the Milwaukee Brewers, predictably, uh, and AR uh, looked up, you know, runs scored per game. The Brewers are ever averaging over like just over three runs per game, like fifth worst in baseball. Dodgers are averaging over five runs per game, first in baseball. Um, and I brought up that I thought that cold-weather teams normally will heat up once the weather is better than when they don't have to play in 30, 40-degree weather, snow, wind, and uh, all of that. Uh, but in the Brewers' case, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean a thing because you played in a dome half your game, so that shouldn't be an excuse. So I had AR look up in the break. What is their home and road splits as far as offense goes, knowing that overall they're averaging just over three runs per game? AR, what did you find? 
So doing my tabulations and getting out the calculator, I determined it is a four-run-per-game average when they're playing an American family field and the eight home games they've played so far after last night's game against the Giants. And then it's 2.78, repeating, of course, runs per game on the road they have played in Chicago, Baltimore, and Philadelphia. All open-air stadiums. Uh, none that are warm, either. Uh, how, how much of that do you play into... Um, the lack of offense by the Brewers. Do you contribute weather to any of this, do you think? I mean, I, weather could play a little bit of a role. I mean, it's it, it's not the most comfortable thing uh, for a hitter at any level if you're facing a guy and it's 35 or 36 yep. and there's wind blowing. I mean, that's tough to do. It's That's one thing. I, but I think there are two, the two most overwhelming factors to me, the reason why they, the Brewers have not scored a ton of runs is, one, I, I don't know if they can. If, if they don't get something resembling the old Yelich back. There are some bats in the lineup, uh, but this is I don't think this is a lineup that's, that's meant to just mash top to bottom the way it has in, in previous years. They'll, they'll do what they have to do, but it's definitely much more pitching uh, dependent. And the other is we're still early enough in this season that I think guys are, are still affected by Three or four months of uncertainty followed by a super fast spring training followed by the season. Because if there's any athlete at all that's a creature of habit, it's a baseball player. And they usually get that six weeks to get themselves together, to get the kinks out or whatever. So I, I think you may see more – it's hitters and pitchers in my mind, but you may see more guys take longer to heat up just because of the weird layover in the offseason. You know, the other thing about this, you talk about Yelich. They put up that stat on ESPN where you know he's hitting the ball harder than anybody else and exit velocity and all this other stuff. But if he's hitting it into the ground, it's not as big of a deal. To me, I'm encouraged by a couple that he's hit off the wall for doubles. I'm encouraged by the home run. It feels like his power is starting to come back. It's just still getting the ball in the air routinely. Yeah, it's which is... You know, it's funny, we can we can talk about it, and it seems fairly simple, but it just has been tough for him to get that part of his, you know, what I would call his timing mechanism down. Because timing is about, you know, inside pitches, outside pitches, that kind of thing. But it's also about getting the bat to the ball in the right spot, getting under that ball a little bit and getting it up in the air. And you're absolutely right. The good Yelich swings lately leave you with a little bit of a smile on your face. You're like, oh, yeah, right, that's that guy. That's the one that was crushing the baseball for two years. Uh, and, and I still think that at least a fair amount of that guy is still in there. Like, I think he can, you know, if he gets hot for a stretch, I think we can see something kind of resembling the, the old Yelich. It's just taking him a while to get there. The, the one thing that is going to be different for him, too, uh, is – I've seen pitchers throw backdoor pitches that'll catch the outside corner against him. And if anybody tried that in 2018 or 2019, it would be a rocket into the Brewers' bullpen. And that's something that will will need to change as he keeps going. I think, you know, once he's able to crush those pitches middle out again, that's close to the old Yelich. You know, the other thing, uh, the other person in this lineup that people are looking at, hoping he reclaims old form, is Keston Hira. Is he any further along than Christian Yelich in your eyes? I mean, Hira, it's a, it's a different animal for me. I'll see Hira in, in a single swing or a single at bat, and, and I'll think, okay, you, you can see the signs you know, of, of the guy that's there. The, the difference for me with, with Hira is I feel like that was a snowball that was, that was based on, on a couple of different things. I mean, he lost his bat, but part of it, too, I think was the pressure of 
switching positions. He was trying to learn to play a different position. And I, it, it's, you know, I think sometimes it's difficult. I think people think you could just throw whoever at first base. And uh, it, as we learned with the Ryan Braun experiment, that's not always the case. And in the case of some, some ball players, if you struggle a little bit defensively, it starts to affect you mentally, which affects you offensively. That's not the full explanation for Keston Hira, but I think just getting a little more confidence when he's playing in there at first, he'll take those at bats at DH, which will help him out. Like he's, I think if you, if you were putting odds on it, Hira might reach the old Hira a little bit before Yelich reaches the old Yelich. That's, that's my guess. But I think both of them have a little ways to go. But they can't go to a World Series if one of them don't reach back to their old level. 100%. That, I mean, here's the thing. They, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Eric Lauer striking out double digits, they've got a rotation that is good enough to win the National League if they score in the median or above the median in run score. But we can't be talking about those numbers that we heard here at the start of this segment. We can't be talking about, you know, just not being able to put the bat on the ball. The last time the Brewers scored more than five in a game was April 18th when they scored six in a game, and that was against the Pirates. So, look, you're not facing the Pirates in the playoffs. That's the point. Is You, you can have good pitching. It will help you when you get to the postseason. But if you're talking about the top level, the World Series, the teams you have to beat along the way, you're going to have to hit in addition to pitching at an elite level. And, and no, you're right. If you don't have either of those – you can't scrape together, I don't think, enough runs to, to get to that point. So a lot of the success late in October will depend on those two, Yelich and Hira. Talk with Kevin Holden, CBS 58 Sports Director, uh, here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Eric Lauer and Luis Urias come over in that deal with Dave, for Davies um, and Trent Grisham. And within the first year, everybody's like, ah, the Brewers lost that trade. First time Stearns has really got taken in the showers on that one. Um, and then you fast forward after the Damas trade, and Urias picks it up and, and starts showing some power, comes back into spring training jacked, gets hurt, haven't seen him since. Um, but he looks like he's got something going. Lauer in the second half of last year through this last start has looked like he is a legit member of a starting rotation, regardless of whose rotation we're talking about. And it looks like he might be something special too now. Man, there are two positions in sports for me, pitchers and defensive backs, where it's about how the numbers stack up. In other words, if Eric Lauer was dependent on to be the number two starter in your rotation and a lot of Brewers teams, he would have been the two, maybe the one in some years. Then you're going up against other teams' aces, and it's a, it's a different animal, right? But Lauer as a four 13 strikeouts and the, the game that he pitched recently as a four, that's a difference maker. That's, that's a, and it turns out, as you say, it's a great trade. People were, uh, there's a lot of angst about losing Grisham, you know, an, an outfielder that was, was helpful, uh, you know, early in his career. But man, <laughs> I, I just learned that, you know, if you, if there are two types of David Stern's trades, ones he wins, wins off the bat and ones he wins after a year or two. And this is in that latter category, but he won it for sure. He's just so good, David Stearns, no question. Uh, I want to get one more in here before we let you go. The Athletic wrote a piece, Eno Saris and uh, Ken Rosenthal, about the baseball, that they're using the 2021 baseball, the fact that this baseball is so dead and it costs you a couple of feet maybe um, on fly balls to the outfield and so forth. Uh, home run percentage is the lowest it's been since 2018. 
Uh, it's four point like two four point three percent. I went on this long tirade at the end of the big show that if you want to fix baseball and if you want to change that average demo from fifty seven to in the forties like the NBA is, then you need home runs and you need offense because diehard core baseball fans love two one games, love one nothing games. That's what it's all about. The NFL has shown you the arena football style of play is the way to go. Increase scoring, make rules to help you increase scoring. The NBA has shown nobody wants to watch 90s basketball where you know teams are scoring you know 80 to 90 points and winning basketball games. They changed the rules to increase scoring in their sport. The reason why soccer and hockey struggle on the professional level is because people think it's boring. There's not enough scoring. That's what baseball has to fix. And doing it the way they're doing it with this baseball, while pitching is great, I don't think you're going to get those young kids and high school kids to watch your sport when the average score is going to be like 3-2 to two or 2-1. Two to one. Yeah, it's I'm a little torn on it because uh, when you say two one game, I, I get excited. I think because you're a diehard core fan that travels to minor league baseball games, correct? Yes, exactly. So I, you know, and I'll sit there and talk about you know some game we watched in 2018 where a wild pitch set up a sack fly that won a game, and, and I love that stuff. But but no, you if you're talking about reaching the maximum audience. Uh, you're you're hundred percent right, and and the problem that baseball has to overcome that football and basketball and hockey don't is there's not a clock. It's a it, it's Keith Olbermann used the term pastoral. It's a pastoral game, meaning there's a bunch of guys standing out on a field. Theoretically, the game could never end, and that in the world of TikTok videos and ten second sound bites ain't a way to get you know people you know especially young folks interested in it. It's it, it, in timing of a game is going to be a problem for, for baseball. And, and I, I know they're trying to fix it this way with the different baseball. I know they're trying to do other stuff to encourage base stealing and other, other art forms. But, man, you know all the kids want to do? They want to, they want to hit a homer and bat flip. And, I mean, you're just going to have to embrace it for the popularity of the sport. That's going to need to happen and probably a lot. No question about it. He is Kevin Holden, CBS uh, 58321Q. Kevin on Twitter. Uh, what, anything fun coming up uh, tonight on CBS 58, Kevin Holden? I, I got it. It's confession time. Um, I'm actually off today. We I, I'm playing on a softball team that's playing a game tonight. So I, I, I wait, 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 wait. So what what position do we play in softball? Well, they there's a there's a strict limit. Catcher most of the time, a little bit of first base, but uh, if I if I move anywhere near another position, I get tackled. Oh, okay. How do you hit? <laughs> how do you hit? I'm, you know, I've been so since the Achilles rupture. I think I'm like a, I don't know, five fifty, five seventy. I mean, I could, I got the strokes. Still. Good, I just good, don't good. Hit, yeah, yeah. I don't hit doubles anymore. I, I, you know, I, I hit, and everybody goes wow, and I start to run, and everybody goes oh, woof. Well, as long as you're having fun, that's the main thing. That's that's the main thing. Kevin Holden, CBS fifty eight. See him at a softball field near you. Kevin, thank you so much. Sparky, you're the man. Thanks, dude. You be good. There he is. Kevin Holden, Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Applying for home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious, breathe. My Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Bill Williamson covers the Las Vegas Raiders for SB Nation. Also has his website, silverandblackpride.com. We'll talk to him next about the rumors floating around about Darren Waller being on the block for the Raiders. That's next here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today sparky's midday madness presented to you by the milwaukee admirals on 1250 a.m the fan steve sparky pfeiffer AR, Adam Roberts, other side of the glass, the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show. It's Margie's Midday Madness. Coming up, Rami Makhlouf returns today for the Rami Show from 3 until 6 this afternoon. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, Tim Allen, the franchise, host of the G. Wagner Plumbing Baseball Postgame Show, will join us uh, at 10.35 tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show. Craig Kishan of Valley Sports Wisconsin talking Bucks Bulls uh, tomorrow at 11.35. Joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, he is Bill Williamson, covers the Raiders for SB Nation. Of course, his website, silverandblackpride.com. Follow him on Twitter at NFL. Bill, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. I got to tell you, I, I went and I, I looked at the SB Nation mock draft and who you would have taken for the Raiders before we get into the Darren Waller conversation. Uh, and I saw a guy that I think Packer fans would be happy if the Packers uh, went and picked at 22, uh, and that's Traylon Burks. Yeah, I mean, the, the Packers' current needs at 22, I think, would have been going to be very similar to what the Raiders' needs were had when they were the owners of number 22 and they didn't have Devontae Adams on their team. So they needed a, a number one receiver. They got him. Well, the Packers need a number one receiver now too. And Burks is a guy who's a big guy, who a lot of scouts like, and, you know, I, I think there's a really good chance that he'll be on the board there at 22. I mean, I had, you know, Wilson went in our draft, uh, I think at 19 from Ohio state, Olave from Ohio state went 18. I think those are two guys that, 
I think would have fit for the Raiders and would will fit for the Packers too if they're there. So yeah, very interesting synergy there between the Raiders and the Packers for an obvious reason. Now I don't know this for sure, but I would have to think of Alave or uh, Garrett Wilson are falling, and they're somewhere in the area south of fifteen. You would have to think the Green Bay Packers, based on what their wide receiver room looks like right now, would probably try to move up, Bill. Yeah, and, and I mean, they certainly have the ammo to do it, too. And, you know, what is that going to take? I mean, I, I haven't really studied that much right now because it's not my issue. Right. But, I mean, it's doable, though. And, you know, where does Jamison Williams fall? I mean, a lot of people are saying he's going to be a top 10 guy. But then there's people saying, you know, there's so many different, there's 32 different boards right now. So I think I think there's going to be some real drama on, on draft night, and and it's it's going to be really fun. But yeah, I think the Packers are set up pretty nicely to get themselves better at wide receiver. You know, the other thing too, obviously, is the Darren Waller uh, rumor that came out of Cheesehead TV and. Uh, Aaron Nagler uh, yesterday and those guys over there posting that the Packers uh, kind of eyed up Darren Waller as a possible target and that going back to the Devontae Adams trade that they were they were trying to get a player involved in that deal but unfortunately the NFL stepped in and said no you can't do that because he didn't sign the franchise tag he being Devontae Adams and apparently it was uh, Darren Waller. Now since last night uh, I've seen one report uh, from Jeremy Fowler that says there's no chance they're moving him pretty much. It's not happening from one of his sources. Bill Huber from SI.com, one of his sources said he doesn't think the Packers are going to trade for Darren Waller. His other source uh, said that Waller was being shot by the Raiders. So I'm as confused as anybody at this point on what really is going on. What can you tell me? Well, we'll see in the next 72 hours. I I had heard the, the what Aaron reported yesterday, I had heard that prior to that, you know, that Waller was supposed to be, I heard exactly what he heard, but I wasn't strong enough, so I didn't go with it. But, you know, I, I mentioned, hey, you know, maybe they, maybe there is interest in trading Waller, but I never specifically reported that. But it does jibe with what I heard. There's a couple interesting ways of looking at that. I mean, Devontae Adams signing his franchise tag, I don't know if that would be that huge of an obstacle. Just do it. And, and then make the trade, right? And then the Raiders give them the deal they want. Right. So that that could have happened, and it didn't. Um, and then when I was told that, I'm like, well, why don't they just trade? For, if, if it was Waller and one for Adams, well, then just trade Waller for 53, you know? Exactly. Back. Yes. And they could have done that weeks ago. And uh, so I'm not poking holes into the report because I believe anything's possible. That's how I – that's how I've run my career is never say never. I think too many reporters get themselves in trouble but not believing anything's possible. I think a lot of people didn't think Devontae Adams was going to get traded, and they were too absolute about it. So you got to have an open mind. Um, but, you know, we will, we will see. Um, I, and then the Las Vegas uh, Review Journal, they were just reported today that what, what Jeremy Fowler did, that it's likely not going to happen. So – do I expect it? No. Is it possible? Yeah. Cause you know what? He's vastly underpaid and they're going to have to give him a new deal. And they gave Devonte Adams a new deal. Of course they gave Chandler Jones a new deal. They gave Max Crosby a new deal. They gave Derek Carr a new deal. These are all big contracts. They got Hunter Renfro who they have to address. You can't pay everybody. That's at some point, one of these, you know, top of the line guys are going to leave. And, but, Darren Waller is not complaining publicly. 
Um, I don't know if he's complaining privately either. He's showed he's at the mini camp this week, voluntary mini camp. He's been at, you know, the first three weeks of of OTAs, you know, the, the off season conditioning program. So he's doing all the right things. So I don't know if there's no reason to think there's any acrimony here. So the Raiders, if I was the Raiders, I would say, hey, this guy's way more valuable than 53s, more valuable than 28 too. Um, let's just keep him. Let's deal with it next year. And let's make a run in a really difficult AFC and a really difficult AFC West. And let's have as many weapons as we can. That's what I would do if I was running the show. See, I was talking about this on the big show with Leroy when, when Leroy was on and that was, okay. So if they want a one, and if they're willing to trade Waller because they like a certain wide receiver in the first half of the first round, say it's the Jets who have two picks, and the Jets are able to get a wide receiver and then trade their other, say, pick 10 or whatever it is, for Darren Waller in a second or whatever the case may be, then that makes sense. If the Jets are saying we value wide receiver more than we value tight end, he's under a rookie contract. We got him for essentially five years to go along with Devontae Adams. It covers us in, in, in case we don't aren't able to re-sign Renfro. Um, and then we just take a tight end uh, with the second round. That's where all the tight ends are expected to go anyhow. Then that kind of makes sense. I'm with you. I, I can't imagine they're going to trade him for a second round pick at this point. Yeah, and and another point about that proposal, if that really is true, and I'm not saying it isn't, I I I don't know. I I said I heard the same thing. It, the Raiders got a better deal. I think the fan feel would be a lot more tempered if it was Adams for number twenty-two and Waller. Oh, Packer fans would be ecstatic makes- here, ecstatic if that's what it would have been. Yes, and I think Raider fans would be a little nervous. Um, and I like this trade a lot for the Raiders. I don't know if I would have liked it as much if, had that been the deal. So I think the Raiders, you know, Dodge, they, they got lucky if that really was the reason why they didn't, because it was a, a, a procedural thing and they couldn't swing it. So, yeah. So again, and, and if they wanted to make the trade, I think they still could have, they could, they would have done it already. Right. Yep. You know? What about Waller's back? How How is that? I mean, he had the COVID thing. He had the back issue. Any concerns about the back heading into this year, into the offseason? Well, it was more than knee. Um, he heard knee on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, and he was out until week 18. And he, and he played in week 18, you know, in that must-win game against the Chargers on Sunday night. He did okay. But then he was more himself in the playoff loss to the Bengals. So, I don't think that's any concern. Again, he's practicing this week and he's been at the offseason program. So I don't think there's an issue. You know, it's interesting. He's going to be 30 in September. Yep. He, you know, he has an, has an incredible career, an incredible life story. This is a guy who was cut, um, suspended three times, suspended for a year, had major uh, alcohol and drug issues, very open about that. He, he had a documentary and he said that he – OD'd the night before a preseason game as a member of the Ravens. The Raiders kind of discovered him on in 2018 on the Ravens practice squad um, before a game. They see this guy who's 6'6 and is just gliding and, and not in uniform. He's just in pregame warm-ups. And they're like, who is this guy? And by the time they got on the plane to go home from getting beat by the Baltimore Ravens, the Raiders had him on the practice squad, and then he started contributing late in the season, and he had some flash plays. Then 2019, he became an, an elite tight end out of nowhere, and that's why he signed a deal that's a little less than you know market value because 
he was just kind of came out of nowhere. And now he's really underpaid, but he's going to be 30. So because it took a while to get things together, you know, off the field and on the field, he's an older player too. So that's something to consider when trading for him or giving him a new deal. Tom with Bill Williamson here covers uh, the Raiders for SB Nation. How has that, that Devontae Adams fit been in Las Vegas? Obviously played his college ball uh, with Derek Carr. You constantly see him on social media together. Uh, is it kind of what it looks like at this point, like they're best buddies? Yeah, you know, and I and I, I think they're legit really good, good friends. You know, that wasn't just make-believe, you know. They – I think they always kept in touch, and they, you know, Derek Carr always talked very fondly of him. So I think everybody's really excited. Dave Ziegler last week at his pre-draft um, press conference was glowing about Devontae Adams and the worker that he is, and he's really set the tone, you know, in the off-season off program. So yeah, I think everybody's sky high, and you know, um, again, I, I think it was a really good trade for the Raiders. I think they they need to make a Super Bowl to maybe win a Super Bowl to make this worth it. But yeah, I, I think it was a, a really smart move by the Raiders. And I'm just, I'm so surprised the Packers, I, I thought the Packers would try to make this work a little longer. They must've been, they must've really believed him by when he said, I'm not going to play for you again. And I guess to their credit, they didn't drag it out, but uh, just, that's why you never say never, you know, it just, and, the fact that Rodgers knew that he was leaving before he signed his extension and said, okay, I'm still signing. Like, to me, that blows my mind even more. For a guy that's been in control pretty much for the last year of this organization to essentially sign off and go, okay, I'll come back even though we don't have a number one wide receiver, that's what blows my mind more than anything else, Bill. And, and to trade him to the place he absolutely wanted to go. The Packers did him a, a real favor. They didn't need – they could have traded him anywhere they wanted. Yeah, they were they're they're okay. The Raiders are in the AFC, so that that helped. But they didn't have to send him where he wanted to go. So they they did him a, a favor. By all accounts, he seems like a tremendous guy. Um, so he deserves you know he deserves happiness. I'm not I'm not saying that, but the Packers did do him a favor. They could have they could have sent him to anywhere. Could have sent him to Jacksonville, and maybe they would have got. If, I mean, we didn't hear any rumors of them really shopping him, so maybe they could have even got more than what they got. And I'm not saying they didn't get enough, a lot. They did, but maybe they could have got, you know, 1849 or whatever, something like that. He is Bill Williamson. Again, follow him on Twitter. He's one of the best. B. Williamson NFL on Twitter. Again, covers the Raiders for SB Nation. Check him out, silverandblackpride.com. Bill, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Anytime. Take care. You, you bet you take care. There he's Bill Williamson. Applying for home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious, breathe. And let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. He's here. I didn't hear him last night on the score, so I don't know if he was crushing Bulls fans or not. But we're going to ask him. Coming up next, Sparky's Midday Madness. Rami Makhlouf in the house. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. AR Adam Roberts, other side of the glass. My thanks to Kevin Holden, Crunchy, CBS 58 Sports Director, for coming on The Madness. Thanks to Bill Williamson for just joining us from SB Nation as well. I'm talking about this whole fiasco with Darren Waller. Um, what do you make of this whole thing uh, with the Packers, Darren Waller, and so forth? I don't Robbie think there's much. I'm not saying there's no smoke there, but I don't think there's very much smoke there. Like, even if you read the report, from um who was it acme cheesehead? cheesehead it was cheesehead tv yeah 
All that they say is that the Pairs, the, 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 I was on the score last night, and yep. I mixed up Packers and Bears. I said the Pairs. The, uh, the Packers asked about Darren Waller. In the Devontae Adams trade, and basically the Raiders said no. It was it wasn't that the no Ra- no 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 it wasn't the Raiders said no. The league said no. See that's because not how Devontae I didn't sign the tag. Yeah, and they said you could not trade a player because he didn't sign the tag. And we had Bill Williamson just on. He said he heard the exact same thing prior to that Adams deal, but didn't go with it and just left it alone. Because so the Raiders were ready to include Darren Waller in that deal. But we don't know if it was Waller in a one or what it was. Mm. That's the only thing. And to his point, and he's right, Raider Nation looks at that Devontae Adams deal completely different if the Packers got a one and Darren Waller for Devontae Adams. Yeah. There's nowhere near the level of excitement. And as a Packer fan, how juiced are we if you got Darren Waller and a one? I mean, that whole trade has looked completely different. Like, everybody's like, oh, cootie, oh, boy, you came through in spades there. You got a Pro Bowl caliber tight end, and you got a fine. But now you got two question marks of draft picks. Mm -hmm. And you had, possibly, a Pro Bowl tight end. Even if it was Waller and a second, Waller and a first, whatever it was, you would have had a proven player. And now you've got a lot of draft picks, and you don't know if anything having to do with those draft picks are going to come to fruition or not as far as being good football players. Uh, what's coming up on your show today, Well, Mommy? before the break, you said you didn't know if I was crushing Bulls fans last, last night. Because you were doing it at the beginning of the year. I wasn't. So what did you do last night? I wasn't. I And I told Bulls fans the same thing last night uh, that I've told Bulls fans throughout the season in my stints on the score, which uh, is they're not there yet, but that's okay. I think they have Lonzo Ball either. Even with Lonzo Ball, they're not there yet. Oh, they're much closer. Maybe. I'm not saying they're going to win a championship, but they're much closer in this series had Lonzo Ball been there. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, they're just not there yet, and that's okay. They've made great strides, and you have competent people in command and control. Finally. Right, exactly. So it's, it took a while. It's okay that they're not there yet. It's fine. Like and And it's okay to be disappointed right now, but still, like, this was a, a good, successful season for the Chicago Bulls, and yes. Bulls fans should be happy, is what I was saying last night, and what I've been saying all season. That's what I've been saying all season, and you and others misinterpret what I'm saying and only take the bad and don't hear the good. Yeah, because the bad leads, and then you bury the good in while after you lead with the bad. Well, I mean, there's a... That, that's exactly how you work. It's a delivery. Right. It's a delivery issue. <laughs> right. You can work on that. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, what's coming up coming on, up on the show today? It is a Kim in the Void Judgment Day, Sparky. Oh, Every once in a while on a Kim in the Void Love Judgment Julius Day, Kim. when uh, things are going bad, I like to get out the old pie chart of blame oh, and, this thing and pass out judgment. Let's pass out judgment. <sighs> pie chart of blame for the Brewers offense and why it's as bad as it is. Cold weather. We did this earlier. Yeah. We Cold did this weather? earlier. The Dodgers, the Dodgers. The numbers speak for themselves, Rami. Yep. We did this earlier on the Madness. Mm-hmm. So... I had Adam look it up. So, number one run score, the Dodgers over five runs. Mm-hmm. The Brewers only have four teams worse in base in all of baseball than them, like the Orioles and others. Kansas City, bad teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, out, they're at about, what, three? Just over three, somewhere in that area. Um, so, literally, if they get to over four, Tim Dillard, who was on the big show earlier, I think he said they're 9-1 when averaging four runs or more. So, then I said, well, you know, Midwest team, play outside, crappy conditions, whatever else. I feel like Cubs, White Sox, those teams play better. Once it warms up, they get some consistent weather to play with. They play better. Because I think cold weather, wind, sideways, snow, so and all that that's crap. that's how big a slice in your pie chart of blame. Hold on. So, I said all that. I said, but now with the Brewers, that don't mean anything. Because they play half their Thank games. You. Okay. Right. So, I said, but just a check. Let's see. What's home and road splits for runs scored? And he looked it up. They're over four runs a game at home. They're under three runs a game, correct, on the road. There is a significant difference 
of the two. So I think they've played in all outdoor stadiums. I might go with that if they've had a bunch of wall balls. Baltimore you know what I mean? was warm, though, but either way. I, I might go with that if I if they had a bunch of wall balls. And it was like, when, when it gets warmer, that ball's going to travel a little bit further. As it will inside that and, park. And they'll yes. get some home runs. Dude, they didn't get the ball out of the infield yesterday other than the Willie Adamas home run. Yeah, but the Brewers the other day, they didn't allow a fly ball out oh, their of the infield. Is great. Their pitching so is great. It's gone that way, too, for the Brewers. Their pitching is great. Offense no in general it. in this league stinks. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Did you're you right. see the athletic piece I was talking about that's, earlier? That's part of my pie chart to blame. It's part of my pie chart. He just Rob Manfred just does not understand. You can you can widen bases. You can give me a pitch clock. You can add wild card teams. You can do all this nonsense. If you want to change your average demo, their average demo is 57. 57. The NFL is 50. The NBA is in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Okay? Adam looked it up. The average demo has gone up over the last several years. Why? Why? Because their fan base isn't growing. It's just the same old curmudgeon, core baseball fans like you that oh I like it. Just keep on watching. And curmudgeon. You, and you get older and older and older. You want to not fix this game? Don't do what they're doing with the baseball. Go the opposite way with the baseball and start averaging more home runs. Start averaging more runs per game. Get scoring up. That's what the NBA did. That's what the NFL did. And that's what baseball needs to do. If they don't and they want to go down this where everybody has a Cy Young year in Major League Baseball, you're not going to get any of the young kids, any of the high school kids, and any of the college kids. Well, they took the juice out of the ball but and and thinking that that would lead to more more. Action in the field and Which, more guys on the bases, right. but it has that hasn't been the case. That ha- it hasn't produced those results. No, because you have a shift, right? And, and the shift is stopping all these hitters who can't figure out how to adjust. Exactly. So they're screwed. So now next year they're going to get rid of the shift, but not really. You can still have your shift, but you have to be on the infield dirt. So you can still slide guys over. You can't just have guys on the outfield grass. Now does that change it? I have no idea. But as I told, who was it? Eric in Green Bay who called in. On the big show. And he said, yeah, but, you know, bunting a guy over and steal or sacrifice fly and da 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 I said, oh, that's great. Do you think these kids care about any of that that are watching? No. They want the home run. They want the touchdown. They want the slam dunk or the three-point shot. That's what they want. Mid-range jumpers? I, mean, I, think, I think more action on the bases would be good for the sport. If they had more steals. Yes. Back in the day of the '80s with the Cardinals and right. Coleman and McGee and all those guys, yeah, that would that would be great. But if I don't you had think more taking home bases. runs out of the game is helping either. But stolen bases isn't going to happen because of analytics. We like, don't want to steal. Analytics say that's stupid. You need to adjust and alter the rules to make it not stupid. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear make this. It less Are you going to explain this? No, no, just to oh. make it less risky. That's what that's what making the bases bigger and moving. You know, they're moving second base closer. Yes, they're starting that in the minors. Yeah. So that that's what all this stuff is about. Because you need to to steal to make it make sense. You need to steal successfully at about an eighty percent clip. So they need to adjust things to where it's easier to steal at an eighty percent clip, and you'll see more teams doing Just it. Just give them the base and eliminate stealing. If you're stealing at an eighty percent clip, what's the point? Now I don't need a catcher. Just. I don't need a catcher. And now it's going to be like softball. Just stand back there and catch it. You don't have to throw. I'm not throwing down for 80%. I, I'm, I'm making a throw to second, which I may overthrow, throw wide, throw in the dirt for a 20% and, chance that I may get the guy. And, and the tough for the, what? The tough thing about, about baseball and the rules that need to change and the things that need to change about the sport is a lot of them are contradicting. Yes. Like, like they want more runs, but they want faster games. Correct. And when it, when it comes to stealing bases, when it comes to stealing bases, I want the electronic strike zone. 
But if I get the electronic strike zone, it's going to be harder for runners to steal because now catchers are going to be less focused on framing pitches. They know they don't have to frame pitches anymore, and they can just position themselves to make better throws. Good. So that's going to make it harder to steal bases. You're going to see less teams do it, less action on the bases. So it's these contradicting forces in the sport of baseball that make it hard for it to move forward. Simple. McGuire and Sosa saved the sport for a bunch of home runs. If you want the sport to grow, juice the baseball and let's go. Like, it's... I just don't think it's that hard. I mean, we can do all the stuff you're talking about, and it's all very fascinating. I enjoy talking about it with mm-hmm. you. I'm just saying, home runs are just going to be what puts these kids watching it. You have everybody on their phones. Oh, look, Mike Trout had a check swing triple. How many of those kids watch the game? None of them. But they saw it. That's cool. And they don't talk about Mike Trout again until something else comes across their phone of a highlight. But sitting down and watching a game or going to sit down and watch a game, that's what you've got to fix. How do you get that to occur? That's what that's what has to change. So either way, okay. So, anyways, ahead. the change in the baseball yeah, is is, is a a sliver yeah. in my pie chart. Of okay, blame. we'll do that out of the gates, and it just makes people better to blame. You know what I mean? Just to point a finger and blame somebody Good when things parenting. aren't going. Yeah, that's why you don't right. have kids. Exactly. Moving so on. We'll do that out of the gates. Okay. Picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 